Let's start off with a word of prayer. Brother Wayne, would you lead us as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for the church that's been here and witness to this community through the years. We're glad to be a part of that, even though we don't see it a lot of You know, this morning I, I, you know, I, there are so many people in the world that I want to hear this message that God laid on my heart. You know, and for you folks, it's like I'm carrying coals to Newcastle. You know, it, it's Newcastle is a coal mining place, and somebody's hauling coal there, which is, you know, they're taking something there to give people that don't need it but this, I don't know maybe we all need this and uh, you know the Apostle Paul had a message that that God gave him or that Jesus gave him uh, not only on the road to Damascus but later as he uh, as he changed and grew and uh, was instructed, you know, whether it was in the, I, I'm not sure, somebody said it was in Arabia that he went for for a time after his conversion and was in out in the desert and instructed by, of, of God. And it was obvious from his change that this was necessary because God took this pharisaical uh, radical and turned him into a Christian radical. <laughs> he used that radical that was in Paul, but he used it for good instead of for evil. For, you know, he was out to put people in jail that were following Christ. And Jesus got a hold of him and says, when, when Paul asked him, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Not not the people out there that he was persecuting. He said, you are persecuting me. And he realized that Jesus was the Son of God. Realized that he was the Messiah. Realized that he had been persecuting God and, and God's people. So, the word that Paul learned what he learned on that road to Damascus is that our God is not a vengeful God and many of the Jews saw God the Holy Father the 
as being a vengeful God. Because when they didn't do what God said, he punished them. Or he let the nations around punish them. And they lost people and they suffered diseases and their crops failed and the rain didn't fall. And only God can control that. But they didn't see it that way. They saw him as being a, a having taking vengeance on them. But the Apostle Paul learned that God is compassionate, that he loves people, that he wants all people, wants good for all people. Not just the Jews, not, but the Gentiles too. And for a Pharisee, that was a long stretch. He had to learn, but one thing that the Apostle Paul did in his ministry when he went to Antioch of Pisidia, not the Antioch there in Syria, but Antioch of Pisidia, way out out west, <laughs> was the way we would say it. And uh, he did something there that had never been done, ever. And that was when he went into the synagogue there in Antioch of Pisidia, he addressed not only the Jews in that synagogue, but the Christians. The Now, not Christians. They weren't Christians yet. But they were God-fearers. They were people who feared God and met there in the synagogue. Though they were not Jews, they believed in God. And they were wanting to know more about God. And that's why they were there in the synagogue. And he preached sins forgiven. He preached to all nations, not just the Jews, but to the believers, those who loved God, those who served God with their lives. And they met there with the Jewish believers because that was where they heard about God at all. Otherwise, you you went out into the community and you found all sorts of idol worship. You found all sorts of terrible things. Uh, you know, things that people were uh, homo. There were homosexuals. There were uh, brothels that were that passed themselves off as religion. There were all kinds of things out there. That was. And and then you had the Roman government that was militant and they worshipped the emperor as a god and and said, you better believe it. You, you know, you're in trouble if you don't. Well, Paul came there to Antioch of Pisidia and I'm, I want to read some of that in Acts chapter 13, verse 16. And... This is his address to the people there. And he starts off much like uh, like Stephen did when he was stoned. And Stephen was cut off, and they just killed him. Well, the Apostle Paul starts off much the same way, but these people are more receptive there in Antioch of Pisidia. They said, we want to hear what God has to say. What? And so let me read that. Verse 16 of chapter 13 of Acts. 
Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. So he addressed not just the Jews, but the believers, the the non-Jewish believers who were there. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. He brought them out of Egypt in, in fine style, cloudy pillar and fire, pillar of fire by day and a cloud or fire by night and a cloud of smoke by day. And about the time of 40 years suffering their manners in the wilderness, that is their thanklessness. When it says their manners, he's, he put up with their being unthankful for what God had done. They complained. They didn't, they didn't like the manna that he fed them. They didn't like this. They didn't like that. They were afraid they wouldn't have water. At, you know, instead of thanking God for what he had done, they complained for 40 years. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land unto them by lot. So he even provided land for them once they got into the Canaan land. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. That's twice as long as the United States has been in existence. And afterward, they desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of four, 40 years. And when he had removed him, he, he took Saul out of office, said, I won't have this man to be king anymore. Took, took it away from him. Okay. And he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. This is God speaking about a man. That is impressive. A man after God's own heart, who will do all my will, all the will of God. He will do the will of God. And not only the will of God, but all of the will of God. That's exciting. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. And when John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. He didn't give him a chance to answer. He said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the one you think I am. I'm not. Just... Forget that idea. He asked, who do you think I am? And then he said, no, that's not me. There's one coming after me. He says, but behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is this word of this salvation sent. 
Look at that verse 26. He says, men and brethren, that's Jewish brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, to them first, he said, they're the first, and whosoever among you feareth God, that's everybody else. That's the Gentiles that were there. They were addressed in his sermon. Unto you is the word of this salvation sent. To you, both Jews and Gentiles, this word of salvation is sent to you. You are given this word. That When we say word, I was mentioning to Tyler this morning, that word is not just a word. It is a message. It's an idea. It's a concept. It's an exciting new thing. It is something that you need to think about. It's something you need to take advantage of, to be blessed by. And he says, unto you is this word of salvation sent. You, all of you. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, they didn't know, they didn't understand Jesus, who he was, nor yet the voices of the prophets, they didn't, they didn't know him, nor yet the voices of the prophets. They didn't listen to the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day. They have fulfilled them in condemning him. When they condemned Jesus to the cross, they fulfilled the prophecy about Jesus, and they proved that that's who he was. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain, that he should be crucified on the cross. They didn't find anything worthy of death in him, but they asked the Roman government to slay him on the cross. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. Look at this next verse. But God raised him from the dead. This was unheard of. This didn't happen. Nobody raised from the dead. When you're dead, you're dead like Rover. Not just dead, but dead all over, you know? They... They took him down off of that Roman cross. His body was emaciated. And that is a horrible way to die. But they put him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people, and we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, the Jewish fathers, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God hath fulfilled the same promise unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So here he quoted the second psalm. 
And again, he, he quotes from Isaiah. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said unto his, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Here he's quoting Isaiah. And then again he quotes, and he says, Wherefore he said also in another psalm, Thou art not, thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. This is Psalm 16, verse 10. These are quotations from the Old Testament scriptures. And Paul is saying, these are proofs. These are things that were quoted about the Messiah. He says, for David, after he had served his own generation. David put, put in his course. He put in his time. He loved God. He served Israel as king. By the will of God, fell on sleep. God allowed him to die. He didn't keep him alive forever. And was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. He, his body decayed, is what he's saying here. David's body decayed. So it wasn't David that was the Messiah. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. This Jesus who was raised from the dead didn't see any corruption. He was taken out of that tomb and resurrected and, came, and his spirit left the earth. Look at these next two verses, 38 and 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin? Why, that, there's no place for that in the law. I mean, you've got your sins put off for a while when you made your sacrifices, but forgiveness? Altogether total forgiveness of sin. And by him, all that believe are justified, not only forgiven, but justified, made just in, in your life from all the things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. He said this justification is far beyond what the law could bring, far beyond what the law could do. Beware. Therefore, he gives them a warning here in verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. That's the book of Habakkuk. Here he's quoting the Old Testament again. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought. They invited, they begged Paul to give them more of this information. You know, they were included in this, but the Jews went out. When They went out of the synagogue, but these Gentiles said, we want more of this. We want to hear it. What have you got? I mean, this is a new word. This is a new concept, a new idea. We want to know more about this. And so the Gentile or the Jews went were gone out of the synagogue. They left. I mean, 
they had a, they had to get to lunch right away <laughs> whatever and uh, they they said wait a minute look at this he's yeah he's talking to not only to us but to these Gentiles too come on this is unheard of and so they they got out of there quick but the but the people the Gentiles besought him beseeched him invited him pleaded with him we want more of this now when the congregation was broken up many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God so Paul and Barnabas said yeah well here we've got this and the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God they want more of this concept more of this idea they want to hear more of what Paul had to say this is exciting stuff and the whole city nearly the whole city turned out at the synagogue that next that next Sabbath day but when the Jews saw the multitudes they were filled with envy they became jealous of this here this upstart comes into town and and everybody wants to hear him it's like the circus came to town you know they, and they say wait a minute wait a minute we've been here every every Sabbath day we preach the Word of God we we bring them the scriptures but this man turn, turns up and has this idea, and we're, we're jealous. We, how come we haven't got this kind of reception? And so they spake against the things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting what he said and blaspheming. Blaspheming. They were speaking against what God had said. Okay. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spoke against me, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put from you, put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So if you reject this, you're rejecting what God has offered, which is everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You've been offered this, and you've turned it down so we are turning to the Gentiles for so the Lord commanded us saying I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth again he's quoting Isaiah here Isaiah 49 6 if you want to look that one up and when the Gentiles heard this they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. They were excited. They took this word, this idea, this concept, and they told 
everybody they knew. Everybody. Come hear this. Learn this. God loves people. He loves everybody. Not just Jews, but he loves us too. Sin's forgiven. And that preached to everybody, not just Jews, but everybody. There's a compassionate God. An unheard of thing. And he loves us enough that he sent his son to die for us. And he rose again to prove it. To prove that he was the one that was sent. And the Jews rejected, but the Gentiles said, give us more of this. This is marvelous stuff. It's wonderful. We want God on our side. We want to be on God's side. Better yet. (laughs) But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coasts. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to unto Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. It proved a wonderful thing. It was this word was spread throughout the whole region. Not just that town, not just Antioch, but all throughout the whole region around about. Everybody wanted to hear this. He was well Paul and Barnabas were well received here for the first time in a Jewish synagogue. But not just to the Jews. Many some of the Jews believed, but not all of them. And the ones that didn't persecuted Paul and Barnabas, and they had to leave. So let's let's go on. Let's let's turn to another place. In Matthew, the book of Matthew. We see in chapter 7 a, an interesting thing. Okay. I, I thought I had a bookmark in there, and I don't. Um, Matthew chapter 7. These are the words of Jesus. And I want to read just one verse there. Verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Whoa! This this is Jesus saying things like this? Don't cast your pearls before swine? Who is he talking about? Swine? What, What kind of thing is he saying here? He says, well... Be careful what you do. Don't give holy things to somebody who won't appreciate it. Do dogs appreciate rocks? No. Do they appreciate ideas? None. Not for the most part. You have to train a dog to get him to do what you want. But he says, Don't give that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet. And turn again and rend you. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around pigs, but an old boar can be very dangerous. And you can give him food, and and then you step into that pen, and he'll turn around and get you. 
you better be quick to jump out of that pen if you know what's good for you. Well, what's Jesus saying here? What, what's he talking about? Well, this is a... Con- we don't think of Jesus as being vindictive or, or afraid. What's he talking about here? Well, let's look in... Let's, let's still in this book of Matthew. Turn back to Matthew chapter 15. In verse 22, it is where I'll start reading. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Uh, this is the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, there in Assyria. And uh, this Canaanite, Canaan woman came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. He kept his mouth shut and said, mm, I'm not going to say a thing. She said, My daughter has a devil. I want you to help. Was Jesus turning his back on this woman? <laughs> no. Let's, let's read on. But he answered not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. She's bothering us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's a a Canaanite woman. I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? You mean Jesus wasn't compassionate about this? Yes, he was. Let's read on. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. My, my daughter needs help. She's got a demon that's possessing her. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it, unto, cast it to the dogs. And listen to her response. And she said, Truth, Lord, absolutely, I know that. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I want just that little bit. I want that. I need that. I want it. I desire this. And I'm asking you, thou son of David, He was talking about the Messiah. She was talking about the Messiah. She respected him as such, acknowledged him as God, as God's representative here on earth. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. Jesus had compassion on this Gentile woman. He didn't hold it against her that she was not of the tribe of Israel. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. All right. Let's look at this same account in Mark. Mark chapter 7. You think that that Jesus... Jesus 
knew what she desired. I, I oh, absolutely. I and I believe, I believe that was a demonstration to those around him. Yes, to, to the Jews. To the Jews that look, this is what I desire for my people. This yes. Is the, this is the kind of humility and the kind of, of, of heart that I desire from the people that serve God. Is just that. Even if yes. it's just a crumb, we desire to do what is pleasing for you. Because he knew he knew that that woman desired that her daughter, but she also believed. She knew more than just coming, knowing, hearing about this Jesus. Oh, absolutely. That's why she came and sought him out, because she had heard about this Messiah. Yes. And she wanted what he had. Thou son of David. I, I mean... She acknowledged him for who he was. She knew, she she knew her scripture. She did. <laughs> Canaanite or not, she knew her scripture. And she said, this is the one who can do it. He can cast out demons. He can do whatever. Uh, he had been healing people, I'm sure, for some time. This wasn't just a happenstance thing. It was a... No. It was a demonstration of the power of the power of God. Absolutely. Demonstration. That's a good word there. Demonstration of the power of God. And let's here in Mark chapter seven, verse twenty-four is where I want to read. And from thence he arose and went unto the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into an house, and would have no man know it. But he could not be hid. He was he was find, looking for a place to hide from the crowds. For a but he couldn't be hid. They, the things she found him out. She sought him out and found him. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician. by nation and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter but Jesus said unto her let the children first be fed for it is not meat to take children's bread and cast it to unto the dogs and she answered and said unto him yes lord yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs that's all i want just that she didn't, she didn't quail or, or quibble about being called a dog. She said, yes, Lord, that's true. But even the dogs under the table eat the crumbs that fall from the, from the table. And he said unto her, for this saying, go thy way. The devil has gone out of your daughter. You got your request. You got what he taught by doing that is that God is compassionate. That the God that sent Jesus to this earth to die, paying the price of sin, which hadn't happened yet at this point, is a compassionate God, even to the dogs, the Gentiles, those who were not Jews. And when she was gone, when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out of her daughter and laid upon the bed. So here we see 
a compassionate God. A God that was different than the gods of the people around. The heathen people who didn't believe in God. This is a different God. Turn to the book of Romans quickly here. And Romans chapter 9 is where I want to read. And Romans 9, verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand not on works, but of him that calleth. Now this is a parenthetic phrase in here. It's talking about Isaac, Isaac's children. And who are Isaac's children? Let's go on. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. It was written. It was in the scripture already. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. No way. God is not unrighteous. He can do what he wants with anybody. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God has that right for any of us. You, me, the people on the street, the Jews, the Gentiles, it doesn't matter. God will have compassion on whom he will. He has that right. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. You can do whatever you want. You can work as hard as you want. You can give as much as you have. Give everything in your life. But it is God who shows mercy. It is God who determines what's going to happen in your life. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Remember, Pharaoh was hardened. Pharaoh was going to let, let them go, finally, after suffering all that, all those plagues. But God hardened his heart. And even after they had left and were heading towards the Red Sea, he sent the chariots out to annihilate them or bring them back into Egypt. He brought, he sent that. Pardon me here. Ah. Where was I? 
Therefore he hath mercy upon whom he will have mercy. Uh, verse 19. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? Why does God find fault with us if he can do anything he wants to any of us? What's he, what's he finding fault for? For who hath resisted his will? Who can resist that will? If Pharaoh can't, who, who can? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel to honor and another to dishonor? He can make a flower vase, a beautiful flower vase in ceramic. Or he can make a, a, a toilet pot, a bedpan. He can make whatever he wants out of that clay. God is that way with us. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endureth with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had before prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Wow. Not just Jews? No. Jews and Gentiles both. Who, who is this? Even us who he hath called. Who is that talking about? Us? That is the church. We are called out of the world. Out of the corruption. Out of the trouble of this world. To serve God. We are the ones he hath called. Not the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And he saith also in Osi, that's Hosea, by the way, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And I will come to, and it will come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also hath also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Just a small portion, a, the leftovers will be saved. The leftovers of Israel will be saved by the Messiah, through the Messiah. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And, he, and Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and made like unto Gomorrah. What shall we say then? that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, what, what's going on here? 
because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You put your trust in Jesus, in that rock that God provided, that rock of protection, that shade in the wilderness. He is the one you need to put your trust in, and you need not be ashamed if you do that. Do that, and you'll be blessed. Paul goes on in that next chapter. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, all of Israel. This was Paul's desire. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. He said, this is the problem for all of Israel. I ought to know. I was a Pharisee myself, is what he's saying. I ought to know about this. I, I was a Jew. I was uh, the epitome of what a Jew should be. That was his idea. But he said, they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And that is what is required. That is what those Gentiles did. That's what that Syrophoenician woman did. She wanted what God had and said, whatever it takes, I want that. I've got to have it in my life. We need that. That kind of faith, that kind of trust to submit to the will of God. unto the righteousness of God for our own good. Well, one, one last place. I, I'm going to turn to the book of Zechariah. <laughs> what? How do you end up in Zechariah after all of this? Zechariah chapter 7. Verse 8. And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus speak, speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. Let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken. They refused to listen and pulled away the shoulders. Say, ah, we don't want yeah, this, we don't want that kind of talk. And stopped their ears. They plugged their ears so that they wouldn't have to hear. We don't want, we don't want to hear this kind of stuff. We don't want that. We want what we want. Not what God said. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone. That's a diamond, hard. They, they hardened themselves. 
lest they should hear the law. And the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets, therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it has come to pass, as he cried, and they would not hear. So they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. The pleasant land, Canaan land, Canaan land, the promised land that God offered them was left desolate because of their unbelief, their unwillingness to hear, their unwillingness to be compassionate on even their own brothers, much less on the Gentiles. They didn't hear that. They were supposed to teach these things to the world. They were chosen to be the teachers of the world, but they failed. They didn't want to hear it. They chose to go their way instead of God's way. Have we done the same thing? Can we do the same thing? Absolutely, we can do it. God said, you do what you will, but here's the truth, and I want you to have it for your good. Well, there's the message that God laid on my heart. A compassionate God who forgives sins and even gives justification for man. And he preached this, Paul preached this first there at Antioch of Pisidia to all nations, to everybody, not just Jews. He preached it in the synagogue, but he preached to the believe non-Jewish believers who were there also. And they were sent into all of the region. And the gospel has spread to this very day, even right here to Banner Road. Right here to us. Our God is compassionate. But if you don't do the will of God in your own life, our, our land can be left desolate even as Israel was. Love him. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Act according to faith. You don't have enough things to give away to God. Matter of fact, you don't have anything except what he's given you. But he is a compassionate God. Put your trust in him. He is worthy. Thank you. Absolutely. Let's remember remember Sister Barbara and Sister Andy. Glad to have Brother Wayne and Sister Shirley with us this morning. So continue to pray for you uh, for you and, and your health as well. Uh, remember uh, Sister Tammy, Gerald, and John Michael and Brother Tony, they're they've traveled down to Gulf Shores and Pensacola area to meet. I think, is, are they meeting Priscilla and their bunch down there? 
So remember Priscilla and Roger and their families that they all travel down there as well. Is that hurricane it's, causing problems? It's on the other side, it's on the other side in South Carolina. So it's causing trouble for the west of the rest of the east coast. But uh, lots of rain and lots of flooding. Um, so remember those that are affected by the hurricane as well. That's... Um, I forgot. Brother Matt Tausch is down there on San, uh, Fernandina Beach. So um, I, he has responded this week on our on our pastor's group text. So I messaged him a little bit ago and asked him if they're okay. So just to check on him. Um, that's not a, not, a, not a good place to be right now. Ian was a pretty strong, one of the strongest they've had in a, in a few years. So uh, I, know the, I know the nation of Cuba... Dominican Republic, those islands down there are really, really devastated by that. So we know that that natural disaster occurs. The Lord allows those things to happen, but may it be for His good and not for not for hurt. I know that's that's not the intention. The intention is for the Lord's power to be manifested to the world, so that they might come to know Him more. So let's pray that pray for those folks that are impacted by that. That maybe they'll see the Lord in this. Seek out the Lord, especially. Let's continue. Remember Addie, and she continues with her treatments. I haven't heard any updates from Rhonda, but Rhonda did ask for prayer this week, so remember her and her family. Yes. Yeah. So she can get around a little more. Good. And said uh, that she was actually feeling a little bit better. Praise the Lord. But we still need to remember Rhonda and uh, yeah. Liddy. Uh, Liddy, who just had the baby. I didn't know if I, I I wondered if there was some other things going on down there that that Rhonda Rhonda needed to be there. So um, Rhonda did say that she was struggling with being in the city, and she really wasn't fond of it, um, and said I think she's having some issues with it. So let's remember her and especially Liddy. Um, I know that she's asked asked for prayer for Liddy before regarding her service to the Lord. So. Um, said lady needs the Lord so let's pray for them as well um, I can imagine that's pretty that's a, that's a difficult thing she just finished school she's had a baby she's gone through a lot of life changes and it can be a little disconcerting so pray that Rhonda can give her some strength and maybe some guidance on, on where to go I'll try to call Rhonda this weekend talk to her encourage her 
pray for Rhonda especially. She's trying, I think she's still looking for a home church down there. So remember that as well. So um, what about Megan Mosier? Um, still doing well. Okay. Let's remember her. Continue to remember Sister Judy as she's preparing for surgery. I don't know when the surgery's planned. I'm going to try to reach out to her husband this week, Brother brother Jeremy, and see what, what, what the plan is with that and see if there's anything that we can be praying for in preparation for that. Sister Paula is still continuing to heal. Seems to be doing well. But as with any recovery, it's kind of difficult on the body. So... Remember her. Continue to remember Kathy, Andy's friend, as she settles into her new life. My, yeah. my prayer for Andy with regard to Kathy. Kathy doesn't seem to be able to keep a, a schedule. And she's been corresponding with Andy at all hours of the night. And Andy has enough trouble with sleeping and getting her meals on time and that sort of thing. And it's been kind of a problem for, for Andy. We will pray for her with this as well. One of the most important things for us to remember is that we also have to take care of each other. It's a reciprocal thing. It's not a one-sided thing. Typically, when it tends to be one-sided, we tend to typically, our health tends to fail. So, remember this. It's difficult to care for people. I know, uh, I was thinking about Sister Jean this morning. That's, That's a change in their life because... They're used to running and gunning together and doing things, and they've had to kind of back up, and she's having to support, you know, Joe more. And Karen, Karen's having to help drive, you know, drive. That's taxing on all of you guys. So um, let's remember these things. Let's continue to remember the church at New Macedonia and Brother Jared and Sister Elizabeth. I, I did hear they're doing well still. So uh, let's continue to remember them. Continue to remember my mother-in-law, who's having some heart conditions. Um Remember my sister-in-law, brother-in-law, uh, Amanda and Kyle Lally. Um, my sister-in-law is still in the hospital at UAMS in Little Rock. She is still 100% effaced, but she has not dilated any. They did make a mistake this week and said she was dilated, but said that they reported she's not dilated. Um, but they still have her admitted and on bed rest because she's 26 weeks now, I think it is. And they're trying to keep her from delivering the baby. So they're giving her medication to help develop the baby's lungs. And they did say the baby's lungs were healthy and that they were confident if she does deliver that the baby will be just fine. But still with any of that, we want we, we want those, those pregnancies to go longer so the baby has time to develop in utero. So um, remember, remember them, um, especially uh, people need the Lord. So let's remember them as well. May that we be a good influence on them as well. Um, remember Kathy and Fred, I did, Kathy did send me a text this morning and said, thanks for the devotionals. And she has really enjoyed it and said, they love us all and send their love and prayers and they're still enjoying their new grandbaby and all of the goings on over there. So maybe we'll see them again in the future. So I failed to mention this. Remember Orlando Sanchez. Have you heard anything about him? Anything, anything about him since his accident? He was your renter there? No? <laughs> okay. Let's continue to remember him because I know he's got a long road to recovery ahead. Ruthie sounds like she's doing well. Good. 
And Grandma June is doing well. I'm, I'm still doing good as well. Praise the Lord. Oh my goodness. Watch out, everyone. <laughs> um, remember Brody Hinkle. I, I mentioned that um, he's a grandson of one of my friends. The meeting I went to yesterday uh, in Loveland. Um, one of our my friends there, Marty. She, her, he's He is three years old. He is three years old and he is dealing with, with cancer. So they're going to University of uh, the, the Children's Hospital there in Denver. And they live three hours above Casper, Wyoming. So they have drive quite a ways to go get treatment. So um, remember remember that family. That's hard and difficult. They either have to drive down to Children's or they have to drive up to Billings, Wyoming. Or Billings, Montana, I mean. Which is the, which is the closest town. And I think it's, they're kind of halfway in between. So it's about three hours either direction. So that's a big that's a big deal. So remember there remember that family. Um, remember one of my employees, April Morris, who has skin cancer and dealing with that. She lost her father last week. Um, so just remember her. Continue to remember um, Sister Karen and Brother Dennis's niece Heather and their family as they deal with their loss. Anytime you have a loss, it takes time to heal. So let's remember remember this. Continue to remember the church there at Lancaster, um, California, and Chris and Julie as they look for a pastor. Um, continue to remember Lancaster, Kentucky, as they look for a pastor there where Priscilla and Roger are at. And the Nonami Church there on Kona, uh, where they're in need of a pastor. Their pastor's moving back. They've stepped down and moving to Arkansas. So Daryl Ellis and his family, remember them. Remember the church there at Sacramento as Brother Dan passed away this week. Atkins passed away this week. So remember his widow and, and the church there. They're doing well. I've checked on them a couple times this week. And they're they're doing well. He decided they're not having a funeral service for him, but the family did view the body and uh, come together to spend some time together just to, I think, celebrate his life. So let's remember him. That's probably a, that's a noticeable loss for them. Um, continue to remember um, our sister churches and continue spiritual growth here. Um, continue to remember um, our nation, our military, our leaders, the still Ukraine-Russia conflict over there. Continue to remember uh, James Allen Ruff and his cancer. He's still doing well. Continue to remember Sean Bell and his family. Remember, of course, Cody Zoe and Brianna, I know with remember him with his trying to get his pump, so that's a that's a good deal for him, I think. Continue remember the Wilterdings in Alaska as they deal with all of their home deals after they've had their fire and trying to figure out sort out life. They've been Lord's provided for them with a new home, so just remember them. Remember, of course, Daniel and David and Deborah and their families. Um, I know they'll probably be be back and forth some in the next coming months so to help out and help with things so remember Karen and Dennis too as they're helping with things and that's uh it takes its toll so we can help with anything let us know um continue remember Sharon she had surgery on her hand I haven't heard anything about her continue remember Jose and Juanita Munoz our visitors that come from time to time remember them remember your brother Ray and your nephew Robert. Yes. 
been quite a ordeal. Developments there that are upsetting, but there wasn't any of these things, and who controlled these things for a week? Yeah. Let's remember all these things. Anything else before we go to the Lord in a word of prayer? Donna. I, yes. Yes. Remember Donna. She has her good days and her bad. And um, remember, remember her tomorrow. We've got. She's got an evaluation uh, tomorrow. So just remember her. I'm actually going to be off for the day to stay home and take care of Jubilee. So I'll get a day at home with her. That's like a vacation day for me. So I, I will enjoy spending the day with her tomorrow. So remember us um, as we go through all of our goings and doings too. And um, remember me and my efforts that things that I do outside of the church that I would be an example and an ambassador for the Lord. Um, I did have an opportunity to talk with two young ladies yesterday about the Lord at my conference and had a good conversation for about 15, 20 minutes. So um, one was girl was raised Catholic and she says, the building is not, people talk about the building being the church. It's not the building, it's the people. I said, absolutely. We had a good question. She had some questions about where God came from and try to answer them as best I could. So, um, good conversation. She's moving to, to, um, Clarksville, Tennessee, I think it is something somewhere out over there. So remember her, she's a young lady about to get married start a family um, and she mentioned that she's had some struggles with her boyfriend's family and differences in belief and trying to understand and them trying not trying to understand things so let's remember her so I can't remember her name off the top of my head but I'll remember it later I'm sure so without further ado let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and uh, brother Patrick would you word our prayer please Well, this morning we're going to turn back over to Revelations chapter 2. We're going to continue our, our teaching sermon series on uh, other religious sects that we've been looking at that are mentioned over in these letters to the churches of Asia Minor. We'll pay particularly close attention to the letter to the church at Thyatira there in verses 18 through 29. We'll start there. It says, And unto the angel of the church at Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and the charity, and the service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. 
Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou surfest the woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, and to commit fornication, and to eat such things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into the bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am that which searches the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you, I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many of you has not this doctrine, and which has not known the depths of Satan, and as they speak, I will put unto you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron and the vessels of, of the potter. Shall they be broken to shivers? And even as I receive of my father, I will give of him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So he mentions over there in the first couple of verses there in verse 20 specifically mentions the prophetess Jezebel who or calls herself a prophetess there's not many other mentions of the of the name Jezebel in the scripture except for the accounts over in the old testament over in second kings so we'll take a look at the account over there in second kings just for some backdrop but it seems that this might also have been a person at that particular time that claimed to be a prophetess that was leading folks away but still nonetheless Looking at Jezebel in the Old Testament account is still pretty applicable. We know a lot of the account over in Revelations is very, very um, symbolic in nature in a lot of the way that the way that the writer addresses things. Hard to understand, um, but we know that some of these things are not for us to understand quite fully. And the Lord reveals those things to us as we uh, look to him for guidance and understanding. I don't claim to know it all, but um, I certainly would like to have a better understanding. So what do you, how do you do that? You ask the Lord to give you the understanding. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 9, and verse 7 is where we'll start. <clears throat> it says, And thou shalt smite the house of Ahab thy master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. It says, For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that shutteth up and left in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah. And the dog shall eat Jezebel and the portion of, of Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. And then Jehu come forth, the servant of his Lord, and one said unto him, Is all well? Wherefore came forth the mad fellow to thee? And he said unto them, Ye know the man and his communication. <laughs> kind of a little inside joke there, I think. And they said, It is a false. Tell us now. And he said, Thus and thus spake he to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed the king over Israel. Then they hastened, or hasted, and took every man his garment and put it under him on the top of the stairs, and they blew the trumpet, saying, Jehu is king. So 
interesting bit of communication here. <laughs> so we, we see here this account where they're talking about the impending doom of the house of Ahaz and of course Jezebel. We know of some of the some of the things that were related to the account of Jezebel was that Naboth was a vineyard owner and Ahab coveted Naboth's land. But he asked Naboth for the land. He said, I'll buy it from you and I'll give you another vineyard because he, he coveted the land that he, that he had there. And what is what was Naboth's response? No, you're not gonna. You're not. I'm not gonna sell it to you. This is my land. That's that's final. You know, doesn't matter that you're the king. Well, kind of sulking, sulking, and 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 moping back to the to the palace. He's not eating his food, and of course, Jezebel sees this and says, "Aren't you surely the king of Israel? Can't you not go?" Take this by what your own hand. <laughs> she says, "You let me take care of this. I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take care of Naboth." So in that moment, he goes over. He basically consents to it. She goes and writes some letters and sends them to the province where where uh, Naboth lived, and conspired against him. Says, "We're going to hold a, a fast, and you're going to put Naboth at the front of the room, and." I'm, we're, you're going to send these men, you're going to send two witnesses against him, false witnesses at that. And then they're going to take him out and say he's cursed the Lord and you're going to take him out and they're going to stone him. That is deceitful. That is very deceitful. And he, she accomplished exactly what she wanted to. Naboth was killed and they sent word to her and he went and he occupied the vineyard. And they thought, ha, we've, we've got what we wanted. Let's look at the 25th verse of chapter 9 there in 2 Kings. It says, Then said Jehu to Bidkar, his captain, Take up and cast him out in the portion of the field of Naboth a Jezreelite. For remember how that when I and thou had rode together after Ahab his father, the Lord laid this burden upon him. Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, saith the Lord, and I will requite thee in this plat, saith the Lord. Now therefore take and cast him into the plat of the ground and according to the word of the Lord. And then Jehaziah, the king of Judah, saw this and he fled up by the way of the garden house. Jehu followed after him and smite him with the chariot and as they did at the going up to Ger, which is by Ibimlia, and he fled to Megiddo and died there. And the servants carried him in the chariot of Jerusalem and buried him in a sepulcher with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, began Ahaziah to reign over Judah. And when Jehu had come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out of a window. And as Jehu entered in the city by the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? And he lifted his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of the blood sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod, under, trod her underfoot. And when he has come in, he did drink and eat, and said, Go see now this cursed woman and bury her, for she is the king's daughter. And they went to bury her, 
and but they found no more than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Therefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord that spake by the servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, The portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat of the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field and the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. Jezebel was a wicked woman, and she defiled the religion of God. She did. She mixed it up with idolatrous worship and things like that, of which the Lord commanded not for us to do, right? And what happened? For her wickedness, she paid the penalty for it because she didn't repent of it. That account is very much the same as what he's discussing over here in Revelations chapter 2, howbeit it's probably a different woman. <laughs> but again, we, we know that some of these scriptures use pretty, pretty uh, veiled metaphorical language, but still nonetheless. It talks about a prophetess being call, calling her woman named Jezebel, calling herself a prophetess, and guess what? She created, what? Sacrilege with the Lord's religion, didn't she? She mixed it. She fornicated it with other, other things. And she was tolerated by the church at Thyatira. And the Lord goes, you've done these things, and yes, your, things are, you know, your, your service is greater now than it was, but you tolerate this false religion amongst your people. He says, I know thy works and thy charity and the service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest the woman Jezebel. I think another, another, another translation changes that word to tolerate. <laughs> and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat of things sacrificed unto idols. What does the religion of the world today teach? Tolerance, doesn't it? That is not what we are to teach amongst the Lord's people. This idolatrous worship was a blasphemy against God. He says there, this woman, you, you tolerate her and she corrupts some of the people that are serving me. What's the, what's the moral of the story? This particular woman caused trouble for the church there. Led people away. The warning for us here in these writings is that we are to be aware of false teachings in our own midst. Such is what they've had to worry about since the beginning of the church and even in times of, of Israel. They worried about this co-mingling. That's why God said, you'll not put no other God before me. I'm a jealous God. Which means what? We have to be careful as the Lord's people. We know what the scripture says, so we must observe it. This mention of Jezebel brings about the thought of false witness, intermingling of religion, which is an archetype for what? It's a type of antichrist, isn't it? The writer stresses that they repent of these things. They not tolerate this woman because whoever commits idolatry with her is going to be cast on a bed of sickness. They're going to be dealt with. 
says, and I give her space to repent of fornication, and she repented not. She didn't repent. She just kept on doing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I may have to split this into two messages. <laughs> it's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 through 33. We'll cover this and then I'll stop because we need, we've run over today. Nothing like a good cliffhanger, right? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. It says, Now all these things have happened unto them for an end sample, that they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you by such as common demand, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above all ye are able, but will with temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to wear it. Bear it, excuse me, not wear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, it is not of the it is. Is it not of the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we are being many, are one bread and are one body, and we are partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat the sacrifices, the partakers of the altar. What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is anything and sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that these things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Again, that word like we discussed last week was daemonian, which means God or devil. So worshiping of Satan, who, what does he do? He seeks to put himself in a spot equal, if not greater than God. It's a place of deception. Is that not what it was talked about over in Revelations we were reading over there about Jezebel? Put themselves in commingling of religion and place themselves in seats that they shouldn't partake of, right? Okay. <clears throat> Let's keep going there. It says, Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and of the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. So you can't serve two masters, right? Do we not provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we not stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are edifying. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in shambles that eat, ask a question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you eat to the feast... Ye be disposed to go. Whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that shoot it. For the conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience I say not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace have been partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? 
Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of the Lord. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, neither to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. It's a pretty intense passage of scripture there that we're reading. Brother Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, the assembling of the people there, writing them instruction. He's saying, this is written for your instruction and for your example. That you might understand what I'm saying. He's talking about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable amongst the Lord's people. He's saying you can't serve the Lord. Just giggling back here a little bit. So what's the what's the point there? Be very careful what you partake in. That's the admonition here. He says, Behold Israel after the flesh, are they not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? They eat or if they partake of what's on the altar, are they not participating? Yes. The Gentiles sacrifice to devils? I wouldn't have you fellowship with them. He says, Don't eat of that stuff because it's not good. He says, Not for your own sake, but the sake of the one that tells you about it, right? Why? Because that will give him an opportunity to blaspheme the Lord. See this guy who claims he's holier than me? <laughs> he's eating this stuff over here with me. He's not any better than I am. So what makes me think that his God is any better than mine? I mean, that's the thought process, the natural thought process that a non-believer would probably take. But Paul's admonition here was for the sake of those that you are dealing with. He goes on, verse 16, he mentions the cup of blessing which we bless if it's not the communion of the blood of Christ or the bread which we break, the body of the communion of Christ. We made, a, we made a commitment to the Lord. When we entered into baptism, when we become a part of the church, what did we do? We confessed the Lord was God and that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died for our life that we might have an opportunity to have salvation, Right? We have communion. We have a relationship. A very sacred relationship. A very special relationship that none of the world endures. But we're supposed to be an example for others. How can we do that if we co-mix and co-mingle with other religions? We can't. We're defiling that relationship which is special and sacred. That is ordained by God. We've set ourselves apart. We've sanctified ourselves to do the service of the Lord. The admonition of the church over there at Thyatira was that they not commingle and they not allow this woman Jezebel to defile the church as she had been doing. You can be defiled by a number of things. Your thoughts. <laughs> Depends on what you're serving. Your thoughts, your the things you partake in, the things that can distract you. That's what it is. It causes distraction. 
compromising your judgment. There's a reason why we don't we talk about things in moderation or not partaking in things like alcohol or the such. Why? It compromises our thinking. Talk about overeating food. It compromises our ability to be able to operate, doesn't it? I'm just I'm stretching a little bit there, but that's for my own benefit. If I take too much food, I get tired, I can't focus. <laughs> But the intent of the writer here was for instruction. He says, pay attention, listen. Take heed lest you fall or you fail in falling after this. He says, no idolatry was to be allowed or observed in the church. Keep yourselves pure, unspotted, blameless before all men, right? The Gentiles take no heed. They just co-mix and co-mingle. You do whatever you want to. What do you call that? Hedonism? The pursuit of pleasure? It says, we, have not, uh, we also have committed to Christ ourselves in sharing in his suffering, sharing in his body and his blood. We become partakers, fellow heirs with Christ. We've made that commitment. To participate in other such things would defile our relationship with the Lord. Of which we're warned continuously throughout the New Testament teachings there. Not all things edify is the other thing he says. So be careful what you partake in. Isn't the the the, the prophetess Jezebel wasn't that what they kind of mentioned there was that it's okay to partake in these things. It's okay to do that. That's not the case. So that's what he's saying there. Not all things edify. Not all things build up the, 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 the church. Don't participate in these things because it will, will muddle things down. Place your trust in the Lord. Look to him. Look to his example. That's why Paul said this is written for your instruction, for your example. So you'll know not to partake in these things. The Lord finds no pleasure in it. Let's look at, um, back over at Revelations chapter 2, before we close. I'll pick up this afternoon and, and the next spot, so, and Acts, so... Looks can be deceiving when you write stuff down. It can certainly go longer than what you want it to. As the Lord stirs your heart up. So, Revelation chapter 2. Back over, over there where we were eating. He talks about, and I gave her space to repent and she, uh, of her fornication. She repented not. What does it mean to repent? Does anyone know? Can anyone answer that question for me? Turn 180 degrees from the direction you're going. To go the opposite direction you're going. It means to change your ways, right? Absolutely. Most people don't understand the concept of repentance these days. If you repent of something, you change your ways. You you don't go back to doing it. That's why he uses the example of there of a dog returning to his vomit or a pig to its wallow in its mud after it's been cleaned, right? It's to give the graphic depiction that it's disgusting to go back to what you were doing. So the admonition of these churches here is strengthen what remains. 
Go back to doing what you're supposed to be doing. He says there, and he that keepeth in 26, he that keepeth, overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I will give the power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of potter shall they be broken or shivers and even receive of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Encouragement here by the writer was for the churches to change their to change their ways. The teachings that Jezebel had was not to change their ways, but to continue to live in them. To continue to feed the monster, so to speak. Was that everything was okay. They could still endure and, and, and participate in what they wanted to and even serve the Lord. Just as the Nicolaitans did and the Balaamites did with their observance of, of eating things that worshiped idols. So Jezebel participated in some of the like things. So they all kind of these groups they're mentioning are very much born of what the Lord taught or a perverse, perverse version of that. So it's important for us to be mindful of these teachings and look at this and examine our lives and go, oh, are, we, are we observing things like this? The importance of teaching and us staying in the scriptures for our admonition and for our own good. Not all things edify like the scripture says. We read over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So, it's more of a lesson of what we should avoid. How we should avoid it. Scripture talks about us being instant in a season, out of season as a preacher. But that's really applicable to all of us. We're all ambassadors for the Lord. We're all making representation to the rest of the world. Are we going to be defiled by what's around us? Are we going to look to the Lord? That's why he asks us to stay intently focused on him, on things above. Enjoyed Brother Ed's, uh, Brother Ed's message this morning. I'm not going to call it a lesson. It was a message. So that, what? We're delivered through who? Through Jesus. And Brother's writing here was to encourage them to stay in Christ. And to strengthen those things and to get rid of those things which which cause us to stumble in the Lord's service. We'll talk a little bit later this evening about some of those verses in between there. So um, stay tuned for more of these messages. <laughs> we do have a business meeting. We'll have an abbreviated version. So um, this time we'll close with a word of prayer. Um, Brother Ed, would you lead us in a word of prayer and... Uh, ask prayer of our business being as well. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us these things that you have revealed in your scripture. Help us, Lord, to remain pure. Help us to separate from the world and to draw nearer to you, realizing that you are the the creator and not only the creator but the one who 
Yeah. Help us, Lord, to not allow these things to creep in and to draw us away. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us now as we use this time that you've given us for business meeting. We ask you would be with those of our number who are away from us and bless them as they travel, as they are in need of your guidance and your strength and, and the help that only you can provide. Help us, Lord, to give thanks daily and show us your will for our lives, that we might grow closer to you and we might be the lighthouse as we demonstrate your love to those about us. We ask now that you be with us as we look to the business of, of serving you in this place and guide us as we have this business meeting. Help us, Lord, to be what you would have us to be in all things. For we ask in Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I realize that my knowledge of technology is limited. <laughs>